Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome today. It's January the 9th, 2022, and we are streaming live from Institut Biblique du Québec in the city of Longueuil. And we have, this is what, the third week, I think, third week, fourth week maybe that we've done this, and we've got the little skeleton crew here of my wife and daughter running all of the tech and want to thank them for helping behind the scenes and welcome you Today, we've got about 18 people logged in, uh, or 18 families, I guess, logged in across uh, Facebook and YouTube. I would invite you to like, to share, to subscribe to our YouTube channel, to click the notification bell so that you can get advice of new content and all of those things. All right, if you are a first-time guest to this broadcast you've never been on before, can you do me a favor and text the key phrase, reach the one? with no spaces to 514-900-0130, and that will allow me to follow up your visit with us today. I heard a really uh, cool story from a person who called me uh, about three weeks ago, four weeks ago, uh, brand new, discovered us while in an airport and was on a uh, podcasting uh, channel that we don't even broadcast to officially, but I guess it was picking up the feed from either Apple Podcasts or Spotify or something, and she discovered us that way and uh, called me and asked us if we have a midweek Bible study and all these things, and so I've been able to contact her. And so that's why I tell you, like, share, you never know who's watching, you never know who's listening. So yes, we are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, but we seem to be on about six or seven others. Uh, If you do a Google search for uh, City Point Church uh, podcast, you're probably going to find us on other channels as well, okay? So a reminder about that, and uh, we'll skip forward to the Alpha slide. Uh, midweek Bible study, we are doing the Alpha course, and we are in uh, the, the home stretch and questions about the Holy Spirit. We had a great time last week, people asking all sorts of great questions about how do I uh, be filled with the Holy Spirit? How do I know if I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, what does that look like? What the, what happens in my life when that happens? Who is the Holy Spirit? What is the work that He does in our lives? All these things, and we talk about this on Wednesday night. Great video content for one hour. You can join us on Zoom. You should all have the link. You do, if you do not have it, just reach out to me uh, through our Facebook or um, uh, website at citypointchurch.ca. You will find all the contact information there. A reminder, uh, in a pandemic, when the places of worship are closed, you can still give, and uh, we depend on that to keep everything going and to keep everything running. So you can do that through our website. We've got uh, PayPal on there. You can do it through e-transfer, and you can even uh, bring cash or checks. Just make arrangements with me so that we can pick that up and have that deposited for you, all right? Uh, Today, we're continuing our series on what Jesus believed, and today we're going to talk about what he believed about prayer. And this is uh, often uh, talked about uh, in religious circles at the beginning of the year, and we, we kind of hit the, hit the restart button, and people talk about prayer. 
And they talk about fasting and prayer. And some churches have multiple days of you know, prayer and fasting, and, and that's very good. And I challenge you to, to do that. And uh, fasting is a powerful uh, uh, tool in your arsenal as you learn to pray. Uh, but again, this, this is part of a larger series, What Jesus Believed. And we, we could spend uh, probably a year just in the Gospels, trying to observe the life of Jesus and to see what did Jesus believe. And I know that sounds strange because you say, well, how could Jesus believe if Jesus is God? And what I've been trying to help you to see is that Jesus is both God and man. You've got two natures fused together in the person of Jesus. We have a fancy term that we use for this. It's called the hypostatic union. And uh, this means you've got two natures fused in there, in this person. And you see Jesus as a person, man, and God. This is why Jesus prays, because he's a man. But this is why Jesus does miracles, because he's God at the same time, you see? And so what we want to do today is examine, look at, take a look at the life of Jesus with regards to this crucial subject, the subject of prayer. Very helpful at the beginning of the year. So I sent out a, a early morning text message uh, today, and maybe you can you can use your comment section on Facebook or YouTube to reply to it. Now, I've got a couple replies already early in the morning, uh, but the question is this. Can you think of something that Jesus taught or said about prayer? And I'll let you cheat. I'll let you go to your New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and see if you remember something that Jesus taught or that Jesus said about prayer. And you can go ahead and post those comments, and we'll try to publish them as they uh, come in. As I recall, somebody this morning had um, had replied to that little message, that text message early, with just a scripture verse, and the scripture verse that they they uh, uh, put was uh, from Luke chapter eleven, verse two, and this is uh, a famous, famous uh, uh, prayer that Jesus prayed. We call it the Lord's prayer. Maybe that's the first thing that comes to your mind when you think about what Jesus taught or what Jesus said about prayer. We've talked about fasting, and I, I can remember something Jesus said when he was dealing with a, with a demonic uh, problem in someone's life, and he said, these kind come out only by prayer and fasting, and that, for whatever reason, comes into my mind as I think about what Jesus said and taught about prayer. Uh, the author of Hebrews, if we'll go to the next slide, Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 7, he makes a kind of a comment about Jesus's uh prayers, if you will. And he says, during the days of Jesus's life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Speaking of, again, Jesus' humanity and how he called out to God the Father and how his prayers and petitions were fervent with cries and tears even. So what did Jesus believe about prayer? 
And this this is again a subject that we could we could do multiple multiple weeks on if we'll go to the next slide and we could do many many weeks on it but I want to talk to you about two dimensions of prayer uh that Jesus we can see in the life of Jesus just two all right and I don't want to overwhelm you uh with this subject here but I want to try and motivate you and inspire you in the subject of prayer in a way that's going to apply to your own life what Jesus believed about prayer so two dimensions if we can get that slide on the screen I hope everything is working there all right so uh first first dimension if you will first angle and that is frequency okay i'll use that word so uh one person uh brought up the lord's prayer from luke 11 uh it's also found in matthew chapter 6 okay and uh if you just observe the lord's prayer on the surface and i've done i've done a few series on the lord's prayer in this church you can uh, find them um Facebook will have them, and our website will have them. YouTube won't, as YouTube is a little newer for us. But uh, when you look at the Lord's Prayer, from example, for example, Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 5. So, and when you pray, Jesus says, do not be like the hypocrites. And he gives an example of how they, they love to be seen by men. So he says, you go and you pray in secret. And then verse 7, and when you pray... Do not keep on babbling and use all these fancy words. And so he says, your, your father knows what you need before you ask him. So just ask him without trying to dress up your prayer with all this fancy language, repetitive language. Just ask him. And then he says in verse 9, this then is how you should pray. And many of us know this prayer by heart. Our father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not, Forgive men their sins. Your Father will not forgive your sins. That's the that's the broad part of the Lord's prayer. Okay, but he he says when you pray, when you pray, the implication there is that you pray. The, it suggests a kind of a frequency to prayer for sure. Uh, Luke chapter five and verse sixteen. But Jesus often, often there's a frequency there often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Frequency. Uh, so questions for you uh, uh, with the next slide. How often do you pray in terms of frequency? Uh, what would your year look like if you prayed every day? So if you, if you were to zap forward to January 2023, and uh, you had two kind of parallel universes to look at, you know, a bit like Spider-Man. And you've, you've got two of them. You've got one parallel universe where you prayed every day. And you've got another parallel universe where you didn't pray every day. Or let's say you didn't pray at all. Two parallel universes. What do you think would happen in the universe where you prayed every day? 
Uh, how often do you pray? Is it every day? Is it once a week? Is it once a month? These are questions of uh, frequency. How often? And we love the Lord's Prayer, but if you if you do the math on the Lord's Prayer and you think about the Lord's Prayer, there's a verse there that gives a pretty strong suggestion that Jesus believed in prayer every day. Because he says, give us today our daily bread. This is in verse 11. Well, it just slow down a little bit here. If he's saying, give us today our daily bread and not give us today our bread for the month, the implication is you eat every day, and so you need to ask God for bread every day. Give us today our daily bread. Implication, you're going to go back to God tomorrow and the next day and the next day, and you're going to say, give, give me today, Father, my daily bread. Provide for my needs, as it were. So even in the Lord's Prayer, there's a pretty strong implication that Jesus believes in prayer every day. And I know many of you say, I don't pray every day, Pastor. Like, that's really, really hard. That's a very, very lofty, you know, New Year's resolution that you're putting in front here. Well, I'm going to challenge you a little bit on this because I believe it is possible for anyone to learn to pray every day. Let me give you a couple of motivational examples, all right? The first one is from a man in our church. You actually saw him playing the guitar there in the worship, and that was a recorded uh, uh, stream that we did um, in October, I think it was, in another series that we were in. Um, I think the sermon was Prayers from the Cave there, and you saw Sean on one side and Simon on the other side. And Sean is not only a guitar player, but he's also a bodybuilder, and he has won... Uh, national competitions here in Canada, I think seven times. So competed at the elite level, and his story is really interesting and really challenging because he got into uh, weights and powerlifting initially to get off of smoking and really had a desire to transform his life in that area. And he moved from powerlifting into bodybuilding and became a Canadian champion in his weight class. Uh, and he's, I think he's only five foot four. Uh, but uh, as you can see from the video and from this picture, uh, you know, very well, very well developed. And I came across a post that his sister actually put on Facebook about him something that he said to her years ago, and he said, the only thing stopping you is you. And I'd like you to think about that with regards to prayer and how often you pray, frequency. You say, Pastor, it's impossible for me to pray every day. I'm too busy. There's too much to do. I've got to take care of this, and I've got to take care of this. I've got to take care of these people. I've got to take care of my family. I've got to take care of my job. I've got to take care of my dog and cat and whatever. There's just so much to do, Pastor. Like, it's not that I don't feel guilty. I do feel guilty. I do feel like I need to pray every day. I just can't do it. I just don't have the time. I think that this remark, the only thing stopping you, 
is not your dog and your cat and your family and your job and your house and your apartment and your friends and all those things. The only thing stopping you ultimately is you. Now, if a man can transform himself physically like this and, you know, be at that gym every day and for hours, multiple hours a day, for multiple months, that would also imply a total transformation of diet. Like that would be a whole rearrangement of a whole bunch of things in order to be able to compete and win at this level. So who's what's stopping that person from making all kinds of excuses? A lot of things, a lot, and a lot of those excuses would be valid. But when you make a decision to prioritize something in your life and say, I'm going to do this more frequently, maybe even every day, ultimately the only person stopping you ultimately is you. And that's a pretty pretty powerful challenge, and that's just the physical body and training. I'll give you another one. Uh, This is from another sport. This is baseball, so you have to put up with me because I like baseball. But on your screen, you're going to see a picture of um, a player. He's the oldest uh, player in the modern age uh, to retire. So he retired at the age of, get this, 48 48 is very, very old. He was actually a grandfather when he retired, and um, he retired at the, at the age of 48 in any professional team sport that is basically unheard of. Now, there's a guy with the last name of Brady who plays in the NFL, and uh, he may well make it that far, but we'll see. He, I think he's 44. Well, Julio Franco played until he was 48, and uh, there's a story of him... Uh, talking to a younger player uh, just before he retired at the age of 48. And uh, this younger player said, is it really true that you you go to the gym every day? Because Julio Franco would attribute his longevity and his career to the fact that he was in the weight room all the time. And he said, do you really go to the gym every day? And the story goes that Julio Franco turned to him and looked at him and he said, he shook his head at him, this young player, and he said, do you eat every day? And again, that's a pretty strong challenge, but this man made a decision uh, that this was going to be a part of his life every day. Uh, I think of what Paul wrote to Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8, physical training is of some value, but Godliness holds value for all things, for this life and the life to come. So if these are examples from the physical world and the training and the body, and we're moving into the Olympics in uh, in February, and you see these people, well, they go through a regiment every day. What would it look like? If you did that with prayer, I'll ask the question again, how often do you pray? What would your year look like if you prayed every day? I venture to say it would look different than it does than it would if you didn't. You would definitely see a change. What what would God ask you to do? 
What challenges would he put before you? What places would he ask you to go to? What decisions would he would he give you the power to make and to execute in your life? Uh, what relationships would change? What relationships would begin? What relationships would be healed if you prayed every day? What blessing are you missing if you don't? And again, I don't want to make you feel guilty, okay? I, I speak to myself in this, in this uh, uh, challenge, but the only one really stopping us from praying every day, the only one stopping us from increasing our frequency uh, of prayer is actually us at the end of the day. Now, that, that may sound like, for some of you, it may say, well, I think I can do that, you know. How hard is it? You know, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Hey, I just prayed. So if I do that every day, that means I pray every day, right? It, it didn't take long. It took about 10 seconds. Well, not so fast, right? And uh, I've heard of people who actually, uh, their their way of praying every day in their own mind is they just play a tape you know, they wake up in the morning and they play the tape of them praying. And they say, ah, you see, I prayed every day. <laughs> well, that's not really what we see when we look at the life of Jesus. And again, this is what Jesus believed about prayer. Clearly, he, he, he implies strongly that he believes in prayer every day. And we see him, as Luke records there, he often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. It's not only the frequency of prayer that we want to observe here, but also the occasion of prayer. And and what we see when we look at the life of Jesus is really interesting, but you have to be a bit bit, um, like a detective in order to see this. And so when we talk about occasion and prayer, uh, we can't just say, all right, let's look up all of the times in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that say the word prayer. <coughs> so uh, we'll look up pray, we'll look up prayer, we'll look up prayed, we'll look up prayers. And, you know, we can use fancy tools for that today, a concordance. And let's just look at all of that, and that will tell us everything we need to know about Jesus and prayer. Not so fast. Because what happens in the Gospels is fascinating. Jesus prays so often in the Gospels that there are times when he prays where it doesn't even say he's praying. It just records him communicating with the Father. It just records him calling out to God impromptu, unplanned, in a spontaneous fashion sometimes, and often in a totally irreligious setting. So it's not in a in a temple, it's not in a synagogue, it's it's in places that you wouldn't think about prayer in places like that. It's often in totally non-religious settings in front of non-religious people or in front of people who are outcasts, uh, religious outcasts, if you were, in that particular culture and society. And we see the Gospels pick this up quite often. So he frequently uh, praise in non-religious situations and occasions, all right? Now, I'm going to put a whole bunch of them on your screen here, 
And what you could do with this is take a little screenshot with your phone or take notes or write write these down or whatever way you want to record this. Um, and this is a great a great Bible study for you on prayer. Like this will take you quite a while to go through these passages of Scripture and the context and understand them and apply them to your life. But here's what you see when you reflect and observe the occasions that Jesus prays uh, on. And this fascinating to observe. So Matthew chapter 14, and some of these you're going to find repeated in Mark and in Luke, but I'll just give you the, the broad strokes and the examples here. So Matthew chapter 14, and the story of the feeding of the thousands of people. And this is in all four gospels, you can see this, but what's interesting is what happens afterward. Um, so verse 22 of Matthew 14, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd, the crowd that just ate. And after he had dismissed them, we're talking about upwards of 15,000 people, if you do the math with the men and the women and the children that would have been there, about the size of the bell center, okay, a full bell center. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. It's an interesting occasion because he just serves thousands and thousands of people. A great miracle has occurred. A stunning miracle has occurred. It's, it, you see similar things in the lives of the old prophets, Elijah and Elisha. You see these miracles of multiplication, but not, uh, not to this magnitude. This is, a, this is a powerful supernatural sign of uh, the, the, the ability and the deity of Christ on display. And yet he goes by himself afterwards right away to go and to pray. I mean, one would think he'd be on such a high, you know, he, and he would feel, well, why do I need to pray? I mean, look what I just did. But what does he do? He goes and he goes by himself on a mountainside to pray after serving and pouring his life out to thousands of people. He goes privately by himself to pray. What an interesting occasion. Uh, Matthew chapter 19, uh, Jesus there prays for children. So verse, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> verse 13, people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them. Don't do that. Don't trouble Jesus with praying for children. They're just children. They're, they let them do what they do, but don't trouble the rabbi. Don't trouble the teacher with these children, as if these children were somehow these lower sort of life forms, you know. And Jesus' reply, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And when he had placed his hands on them, presumably praying, because that's what they brought the children to him for, he went on from there. So he's praying right out there in the open for these children, which apparently was a bit of a taboo uh, back in that time. Jesus doesn't care about the taboo. He cares about the children. And he prays for these children. It's a kind of an era. It's not a religious setting. But it's a very practical setting. Mark chapter 1. 
Here again, we see Jesus perform a miracle and then pray. So verse 29, they leave the synagogue. Uh, uh, they go with James and John, this is the disciples, to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon is another name for Peter. And his mother-in-law is in bed with a fever, and they go and they tell Jesus about her. So Jesus goes to her. He takes her by the hand. He heals her, and the fever leaves her, and she begins to serve and to, uh, it says, wait on them. So to serve them, maybe food, maybe uh, something like uh, in that order inside the house. And that evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. And the whole town gathered at the door, busy day. And Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He drove out many demons. He would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Verse 35, right away. Very early in the morning while it was still dark. After this high I mean, he heals Peter's mother-in-law. He's healing people of all kinds of things, even of spiritual problems like like uh, demons, which is an exhausting thing uh, for regular people. I've been involved in that a couple of times, and it's quite tiring. Uh, and very early in the morning, it says, didn't get much sleep, I guess. While it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Wow. Simon and his companions went to look for him. When they found him, they said, everyone's looking for you. Like, where are you? <laughs> and he said, I'm at the gym. I'm praying, you see? Uh, uh, so he, this, is, this is really a part of Jesus' life. And the occasion, again, not necessarily a religious occasion or in a religious place, but he is devoted to prayer. It's just oozing out of his life and on so many different occasions, not only early in the morning, uh, but we see him pray late at night for hours. So Luke chapter 6, uh, on uh, one of those days, he says, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. Wow. Doesn't matter if there's a curfew, right? He spent the night praying to God. So you can pray to God even if you have a curfew. You can't be outside. Well, you can pray, right? There's no, there's no blockage between you and God. It's not like you can't communicate with God between such an hour and such an hour, right? And Jesus spends the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them whom he also designated apostles. Interesting, he spends the night in prayer, and immediately he chooses the twelve after that time of prayer. Again, the occasion is, is, is varied when it comes to the life of uh, Jesus. Next example, uh, this is from Luke chapter 9, on a mountain. About eight days after Jesus said this, and you have to go into the context to see, he took Peter and John and James with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. This is the transfiguration story, but Luke is careful to mention the detail that the reason why Jesus took these people on this mountain was to pray. 
And as he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. And then you have Moses and Elijah appearing supernaturally on that mountain and having a discussion, a dialogue with Jesus. The very reason why he went up there was to pray. It wasn't in a synagogue. Wasn't in the temple. It's on this mountain. Another example, John chapter 11, and this is uh, at a friend's grave. And this is the story of the death and raising from the dead of Lazarus. It's an extremely dramatic story from uh, John chapter 11. And uh, you get to the part where it's a kind of the, 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 the crescendo of the story. And you see when Jesus gets to the tomb... This man has been wrapped in linen. This man has been put in a tomb as per the standard first century customs of the day. And and Jesus says there, remove the stone. Verse 41, so they took away the stone and Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. What's he doing? He's praying. Well, John doesn't say, and Jesus prayed. No, he just records the fact that Jesus looks up. He's in front of this man's tomb. I mean, it's such a, a strange occasion to pray. Not for Jesus. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you... Uh, that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And then he says, cries out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. He's all wrapped up in the linen. I mean, his hands and feet wrapped with the strips of linen. The cloth is around his face. And he comes out of this tomb. He's been in there for four days. It is the most dramatic miracle probably that you can see in the New Testament. And yet this is a result of Jesus praying in this strange moment, this sad moment. Uh, you, you can see in the chapter, the, the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. When he hears of the death of his friend, he weeps. And yet you see almost immediately after he prays, calls out to the Father, and the man comes back from the dead. Incredible uh, story there, but it's in, in such an odd occasion. And then you start to get to the end of the gospel record, and you see Jesus praying very fervently. Perhaps this is what the author of Hebrews had in mind when he writes about Jesus and Jesus' prayer life. But you see this happen as Jesus approaches his arrest, uh, his trials, and ultimately his crucifixion. So John chapter 16, John chapter 17, John chapter 18, uh, uh, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, you see. Chapter 17, verse 1, Father, the hour has come. He's praying there, glorify your son that your son may glorify you. And you read the whole chapter 17 of John, and this is Jesus' prayer before 
the 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 the, the page turns and he gets arrested in uh, the garden. Um, uh, when he had finished praying, this is John eighteen verse one. Jesus left with his disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley, and on the other side there was a garden, and he and his disciples went into it. This is the famous Garden of Gethsemane. Then in Luke chapter twenty-two, Jesus it stated this way: Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. And on reaching the place, he said to them. Pray that you will not fall into temptation. This is an exhortation for them to pray. And then Jesus withdraws away from them and he kneels to the ground and he does what? He prays. He prays. Look at the occasion. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done And we're told that an angel comes and strengthens him, and he's in such anguish, he's in such anxiety that he prays more earnestly, we're told, and his sweat is like drops of blood. There's a, there is a physical condition that can produce that, but it's very, very rare. Uh, but this is what happened to Jesus because of the anxiety that he was under. But look at how he prays through that problem and how he prays through that anxiety as he's, it's going to get even worse. And then you look to the cross, Luke chapter 23, Mark chapter 15, and you observe how Jesus prays while they are persecuting him, while they are crucifying him. While he is dying, he is praying on this cross with these two criminals on either side of him. When they came to the place called Skull, or the it's called Golgotha, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they, I can hear you say it, they do not know what they are doing. Remember, Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer, uh, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And look at him. He is asking God to forgive these people who are crucifying him. And he's doing this in real time. It's, it's incredible how prayer is so natural for him and how the occasion uh, is so varied. And here, you know, many of us, if we were in this condition, the last thing we would think of doing is praying. We would just give up and wait to die. And here's Jesus asking God to forgive them even while they are being, while they are crucifying him. It's an incredible moment. And you read on, it was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, and then the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, he's praying, into your hands I commit my spirit. 
And when he had said this, he breathed his last. Uh, uh, Mark records a statement that Jesus makes to God just before that. And he says at three in the afternoon, relatively the same time, Jesus cries out in a loud voice in the Aramaic language, translated, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Which is, which is right out of Psalm 22 in the first verse there. So you see Jesus, even in these moments of tremendous anxiety, pain, you say, well, he's God. What's the big deal? He can endure crucifixion. Remember, he's both God and man, a hundred percent. So it's not like he can, can, well, I'm God, you know, I'm, I'm the son of God. And, you know, I've got this ontological deity thing going on so I can handle this crucifixion. This is no problem, right? No, you don't see that at all. You see him a hundred percent man, flesh and bone dying in a, in a, by being crucified. This is a horrendous way to die. This is a terrifying way to die. This is an awful way to die back in that time, in that culture. And yet you see Jesus face this thing head on, continuing to call out to God, even in the garden before the arrest, even in his anxiety. And he continues to march through this right to the cross, right to the end. The last thing Jesus does before he breathes his last breath is to pray. It's it's so motivational to see this. So I'm asking, when do, when do you pray? Uh, what would your year look like if you prayed during non-religious occasions and situations? So what would you what would your year look like if you learned to pray while you're at your job? And I'm not saying you've got to kneel down and, you know, so everybody sees you and you got to pray nice and loud so everybody hears you to see how religious you are. That's, that's the wrong motivation, right? Jesus talked about that. No, what would it look like if while you're in that meeting with your boss, you, you under your breath, in your mind, you're praying, Jesus, give me strength with this conversation. What would it look like if you prayed while you were being tempted? Sometimes the last thing that we want to do while we're being tempted is to pray. Sometimes the last person on our mind while we're being tempted is God. What would it look like if while you were in a, in a dangerous situation, while you're in a situation where you're filled with anxiety and worry and concern and your sweat feels like drops of blood, that you actually called out to God as your first option? Rather than everybody else and everything else and look for some way out of it, you called out to God as your first option and said, God, help me to get through this situation. What if you were in a, in a, uh, a physical state, in a condition, in a hospital, and you get bad news or you get bad news about a loved one and you feel like you just got hit by a truck What if you called out to God and said, oh, God, help me to get through this situation? You see, all kinds of occasions. Do you pray in the morning? Fine. Do you pray at night? Fine. I mean, Jesus prayed in the morning. Jesus prayed at night. Jesus often went by himself alone, nobody around. They're looking for him. Where are you? I'm at the gym. I'm praying. That's his gym, right? So what if prayer became like that to us? 
What if we were challenged to pray and actually prayed with a greater frequency in all kinds of occasions? Because that's when you know that your prayers are authentic, right? They're not little recordings that you press the play button on. No, they're authentic when you're in the heat of the day. And yet you're conscious of the presence of God with you. And you're calling out to God. And you're maintaining communion with God as you march through life. And as you continue to turn the pages of the year. And uh, that's what we need to do. And so when we look at Jesus and we look at what he believed about prayer, wow, the frequency, the occasion, may we be challenged as we look at his life. I'm just going to finish by closing in, in prayer for you as we finish up today. Father, I thank you for each person who is, uh, who's watching right now who's who's live and 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 god i pray you would speak to their hearts today i I pray you would speak to the hearts of their children and the young people and teenagers and young adults god who are part of our church and uh, lord i just think of them in this time where again is lockdown and again it affects the school and just so much trouble and so much bad news oh god we call out to you Oh God, we reach to you. You're not affected by viruses and curfews and all. You're not affected by these things, Lord. We can still call out to you. We can still worship you. We can still have communion with you wherever we want to, whenever we need to, on all occasions, Lord. Increase the frequency of our prayers. God, forgive us for being a little bit lazy. So often the only one that stops us is us. But Lord, help us to grow in the the times that we have with you. Help us, Lord, to be more aware of your presence with us. Help us to be tuned in to that frequency of prayer, God, and that, that sort of spiritual knob on our radio that we would be tuned in. You're right there in the car with us. You're right there while we're surfing the Internet. You're right there while we've got Netflix on. You see what we're doing. You're with us. You're right there in our job site. You're right there in our classroom, oh God. You're right there in every anxious moment, in every time of depression, God, in every time of joy, in every time of sorrow. You're right there with us when our physical health isn't good. You're right there with us. May we call out to you and be aware of your presence and see you do great things in our lives through the power of your spirit. We pray in Jesus name. Amen. Well, God bless you today. Thank you so much for tuning in and uh, look forward to being with you again on Wednesday night as we look at the person of the Holy Spirit on Zoom through the, uh, the Alpha course that we're doing there. God bless you today. Please feel free to reach out to me at any time. My contact info is on our uh, website. Stay safe, everyone. God bless you.